The Law is a White Dog is a podcast series developed for Tulka Festival of Visual Arts 2020. Made during a global pandemic, the series places artists and artworks in dialogue with lawyers, advocates and activists. As a festival of visual art produced in a time of confinement and restriction for many, the podcast series explores unseen dimensions of the artist's work. Forerunner is the name of the collaborative practice of artists Tom Watt, Tanit Williams and Andreas Kindler von Knobloch. Individually and together, they work across visual art, design and architecture. Forerunner's project for The Low is a White Dog is a sculpture made by Tanit and Andreas titled The Future and Stuff. This new sculpture incorporates cast concrete and a water pump, and takes inspiration from design accommodations such as fish ladders and audio description. Hi, my name's Tanit. I'm a white male in his 30s, nearly turned 31, with short brown hair, whose forehead's getting bigger and bigger every year. I've got some stubble on my face and a bit of a moustache today. Hi, my name is Andres. I am sitting in my room in Dublin. I have brown curly hair, which is a little bit out of control at the moment. And I'm wearing a blue jumper. In this episode, Tanit and Andreas discuss with their collaborator Tom their starting points for developing the sculpture. We hear first from Tanit, who describes their concept of material navigation. Part of our work sort of is designed around material navigation, which whether that's a shiny marble floor in a shopping centre, which is made to make you slow down and worry that you might slip. So you'll you'll look at the display cases a little longer or sharp concrete stairs, which might help you look for a handrail or a guide rail or wood, which will feel warmer to your touch or bronze, steel, all these types of materials that are around us. And in using them correctly or incorrectly, you can kind of create different ambiances or different types of spaces. I would say that the idea of material navigation that we use is also like a tool for collaborating together, where sometimes we use it as a, as a form of decision making. Yeah, rules, following rules, it's sort of like makes it easier to, yeah, make decisions as a trio. I think for us, the work really changed after uh, COVID happened in March. Once we realized that people were not going to be able to touch these things. Uh, and I think, was it you, Tanit, that had thought about working with uh, people with impaired vision? I guess that came out of that concept, material navigation, in a sort of much more literal sense, helping someone move through space with a material or with a physical prop. And that might have been what prompted the idea of working with people who are visually impaired, especially as we consider ourselves or usually tag ourselves as visual artists. And that um, a couple of the works or the recent works we've made actually have had an audio quality as well, whether that's moving through the space and the sound of standing or walking or touching things that we've made 
or the sound of water moving through space also is quite frequent. So I think that was one of our early ideas was to try and facilitate um, a different kind of viewer. I don't know. I guess maybe it's from from our previous work with dams that we got into fish ladders. I think they're kind of funny things, fish ladders, because even probably the first reason they came about is because whenever a dam was built in a river that was near the sea, the salmon who would have previously climbed the rocky waterfalls of the river would not be able to go up the river anymore. And then the people that were fishing the salmon were upset that they couldn't fish so then they were like okay we need to build this this fish ladder so even then the, it was about like someone not being able to catch a fish as opposed to thinking directly about what the fish need i think fish ladders were interesting to us first of all in 2018 when we found a fish elevator in in ardna Crusha, so on the shannon and the biggest hydroelectric dam in europe when it was built in the 20s in the 70s i think they or in the 50s, they put in a fish elevator to help fish get over it. And it seemed at first to us like a quite quite a funny thing that you would need fish to use an elevator. But it's quite a poignant thing as well. That there seems to be this sort of huge movement towards technological advancement that then 30 or 40 years later, people realized was devastating to natural wildlife and to the environment. And this other thing had to be built to try and solve that. And it's quite a comical thing on its own, a fish ladder, but when you have it next to a dam, it becomes quite a, maybe quite a sad or poignant thing. Yeah, it's funny that like these like huge permanent structures get made and then there's a problem with them, like they, they're killing the eels and then you have to have a rethink. Because they're made of concrete, they just sort of sit there and maybe they're failures, but maybe like another one gets built around the side of it or they just keep trying, but there doesn't seem to be much like backtracking mm. or use of uh, maybe easier materials, like adaptable materials. Um, a lot of the time, it seems like the term sustainability actually refers to market value, producing and reproducing things or sort of shelf life of a material rather than an ecological disaster or being responsible with how or what you make. I guess a primary concern in our practice is what happens to sculptures or installations after they've been seen? What happens to a work or an environment that you've designed once that small show window has finished? Typically exhibitions might last anywhere from two weeks, four weeks to a couple of months. And our recent works at least involve an awful lot of material production or changing a manipulation of space, which has to return back to its standard, casual, white self again. And so the past few times that we've done this, we've, we've always ended up with a sort of problem of what do we do with this material or these objects afterwards? And maybe this is a beginning of us trying to come to terms with what we do with works after the show is closed. And definitely when we were mixing uh, the concrete for the steps for this work, the future and stuff, I was often thinking about how if we had been mixing that concrete, I don't know, in the 1960s and we didn't know the concrete was bad, that maybe we wouldn't have had this like other feeling while we were mixing that. It would just be like, oh, we're just making like fresh new stones that are going to be around forever. Well, now we're like, we're making fresh new stones that have this like embodied carbon and where the products had to be made in a kiln using all this energy and then what's going to happen with them afterwards are they going to end up in our backyard what will happen with this work you know the work is called 
the future and stuff with a lowercase s and a capitalized F. Uh, responsible use materials is um, maybe a nicer way to put it. You will now hear an audio description of the completed sculpture written and read by Fela Buggy. The composition in the background incorporates sound recordings of the sculpture being built and was created by Tanid Williams. In a cold industrial warehouse in Galway sits a freestanding sculpture of a concrete spiral staircase. The sculpture is approximately 2.5 metres high and water trickles down the steps from the top to the bottom. The sound of water dripping can be heard in the echoing space. The sculpture has an overall feeling of brutalist architecture, signified by the bare and unembellished materials, cast concrete and 2 by 2 white deal timber, which acts as a support for several steps of the staircase. The staircase is dimly lit by a combination of natural and artificial light. A long skylight embedded in the corrugated steel roof and fluorescent tubing attached to vertical beams around the space. Soft shadows are cast by the staircase over the pale grey walls and dusty pink concrete floor. The staircase is made up of 14 cast concrete steps, 13 of which identical and stacked neatly on top of each other to form a central concrete column around which they rotate. The steps fan out to the left, descending in a spiral to the right, where the bottom step, slightly larger than the others, pools the slowly falling water. The water seems to be recirculated through an invisible and silent pump. Underneath the edge of the 4th, 5th and 11th steps stand long thin pieces of timber support. Wedged between the ground and the smooth underneath of the steps, they are not fixed but are bowed under the weight of the sculpture. The supports seem quite spindly and weak in contrast to the thick concrete steps, particularly the support which stretches up to the 11th step. Each step has a slight depression on the flat, like a miniature dam, retaining the trickling water until it pools and overflows through a central gap and onto the step below. The process repeats until the water reaches the bottom step where it collects and recirculates the top step. The water stains the light grey concrete dark in the centre of each step, appearing like a stair runner. The upper side of the steps, mottled from the water, contrasts the dry, smooth and pale underneath of the staircase. The overall colour of the sculpture is a light cold grey of poured concrete. On closer inspection, small colour variations can be seen on the steps. There are soft hues of muddy yellow and brown over the cool grey. The Low is a White Dog podcast series was commissioned by the Tulka Festival of Visual Arts, curated in 2020 by Sarah Brown. Produced by Orla Higgins and Sarah Brown. Introduction narrated by Orla Higgins. Edited by Alan Meany. 
Music by Rory Pilgrim. Recording and original composition by Tanned Williams. Audio description written and read by Fela Buggy. Special thanks to Tom Watt and Liliane Puteau. Forerunners Project for Tulka 2020 is supported by Galway County Council Arts Office.